1: From Myanmar to the United States. Their dreams and hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. This is She Talks Peace.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of She Talks Peace. I am Amina Rasul. Of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy saying salam from Manila. And here's my co host.
0: Assalamu alaykum, everyone. Uh, it's good morning, both here in uh, Kedah, Malaysia, and in Manila. I'm based here at Bukhari International University. Uh, it's here at the peninsula part of Malaysia. Good morning, Amina. Good morning, Ayesha. Uh, uh, you look Fresh as usual, you know, we all say that we always need a vacation from a vacation, <laughs> absolutely right. But you know, thinking
2: about uh, your wedding at uh, the wedding of your uh, was it your niece? Nephew,
0: nephew, my husband's nephew? Ah, your
2: husband's nephew, I couldn't help but think about uh, families and, yeah. and family matters like uh, uh. Raising a family, getting married, having children, and how even in this day and age, having children is still risky. I didn't realize how risky it is, even in the United States. I mean, they're talking about um, uh, African-American women being um, higher risk of uh, maternal deaths. And then I started thinking about us in uh, conflict areas, in Muslim Mindanao. I guess, uh, if, I, you know, if I recall my mom, for instance, having childbirth, uh, most of us, five of six, we were born at home. And uh, we had a midwife who was my grandaunt, and he was she was really fantastic. But it kept getting more and more difficult for my mom. And I kept wondering, what's it like? Today in in Muslim Mindanao, I mean, giving birth is it as as dangerous as it was before? What was it like in your family when you were still in uh, in Mindanao? Did did the women in your family give birth in hospitals or did they give well, birth at home?
0: I think for our generation, yeah, most uh, yeah most of us, my cousins and I, gave birth in the hospital. But there are also, of course, a few. Who have given birth at home uh, traditionally. Yeah, so that still happens in some rural areas. In, in But then, since you've asked, you know, how it is now in the barn or the conflict affected areas where we now have a new government, the Bangsamoro Autonomous Region, you know, it's actually interesting to, you know, for us to focus our attention when it comes to maternal health, especially that recently there is this news. You know, from the Philippine Statistics Authority and UNFA—that's the uh, UN the, um, Population Agency—they say that for uh, for the year 2019, there have been 1,458 deaths due uh, due to maternal causes, and this has doubled uh, in 2021. It has become 2,417 deaths. So I wonder how. Is more in the you know rural areas like especially in the affected areas like Barm. You know, has it changed or or not? It's really a concern you know for many of us. Especially
2: Ayesa, uh, uh, since um, uh, the uh, the Philippine Statistical Authority has access only to the you know, actual data, right? I mean, and I don't know if they can reach the most rural areas. If anything, that statistic is understated, right? Maybe you'd like to introduce our, our guest, Ayesa.
0: Our guest today is an expert when it comes to reproductive health services in Philippines. And um, she uh, will really be the go-to person when we Want to inquire more about the situation today on maternal health. And her name is Dr. Marilene Dangilan. She's a medical professional who has worked as the head of the Senate Committee on Health in 1987. Uh, this was uh, what brought us to the Generics Law and the Rooming In and Breastfeeding Act. My favorite law, Breastfeeding Act. She also co-drafted the National Health Insurance Act of the Philippines or PhilHealth. A lot of Filipinos benefit from this field Health today. And he, she had, she comes from an exemplary background where, uh, where she took up business administration at UP Diliman, our fellow alumni, and medicine at Lund University. Lund is in Sweden and the LaSalle College of Medicine. She has also pursued a master's in social policy at the London School of Economics and a public policy at the Harvard Kennedy School of Government, also your fellow alumni. (laughs) Then she also became a Takemi Fellow in International Health at the Harvard School of Public Health. So in her career, Dr. Marilyn has worked with UN, WHO, uh, and many other, and UNFPA, of course, and many other international organizations and so I think, you no. Know, let us not wait further. I'm sure uh, we would like to ask her more questions and she can tell us more answers, uh, especially when it comes to BARM and maternal health or reproductive health. Let us now welcome Dr. Marilene Dangilan. Welcome to the show, Dr. Hi. Uh, thank you very
3: much, Dr. Ayessa. Thank you very much, Amina. And thank you very much to you both for inviting me over to She Talks Peace.
2: But but we were talking about the current situation in uh, Muslim Mindanao, which is uh, still conflict-affected or conflict-influenced. And you've been going there a lot, um, advising the UN uh, Population Fund. uh, No,
3: not not really. I was not an advisor of UNFPA. I I went to Mindanao, especially to Cotabato and the other areas there, as the policy advisor of UN World Food Programme. A World
2: Food Program. Yeah. So, what That's was my, it like?
3: My interest in 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 Mindanao, especially what what we call our, uh, what was what is Barm now, started in 1997. That was my masteral thesis actually. Uh, I was wondering why the health statistics of um, of Mindanao, especially the areas in Barm, which is Barm now, you know, are really down and really so below below the national average it's always a forgotten issue not only in Barm but in the whole of the in, the in the entire Philippines do you know that we don't even have an official maternal mortality data I don't know if I'm wrong but the way I see it they're still debating about you know what is our maternal mortality ratio even in the Philippines the whole the whole national data I don't even know they say it's a hundred they say it's 200 but you know these are all questionable data so especially in Barm we don't know. But we have other indicators uh, that could probably give us a glance, you know, not at the magnitude of the problem because we don't know that yet, but probably at some of the difficulties the women, in especially in BARM, have to go through. And the data of the National Demographic Health Surveys show this very distinctly. The latest data I got is from 2017, although NDHS has a 2022 data. I didn't use the 2022 twenty twenty two because 2017 was the last ARM data. Then it became BARM, and the composition of the of the provinces would distort the data. So to just give a comparison of two thousand three and DHS to two thousand seventeen in ARM, which is not so far. I mean, it's still good. That's like over fourteen years. Um, the data for me, I mean. I would like to focus on two: the infant mortality rate and the under-five mortality rate. This is for kids, and you know why? Because under-five mortality rate or the infant mortality rate, they actually reflect, you know, how good a country is, how um, how 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 advanced it is in general social development. Infant mortality, you know, is uh, is a reflection of how improved our living standards are and of the health conditions of the people. And the other indicator that I would like to look at could have been or would have been maternal mortality. But then since we don't have that data, you must bear in mind that maternal mortality is so widely accepted as a key indicator of the health and socioeconomic development of a place. It's not just how many mothers die. No, it will also reflect to you, you know, how how bad is your health system or how good is your health system the infant we ha- uh, infant mortality rate i am just focusing in arm because the NDHS focused on arm in 2003 the data there is you know, i don't i don't remember all the numbers but you know some of them i could i could remember especially the imr or infant mortality rate the infant mortality rate in arm in 2003 huh, take note was some was uh, 41 Per thousand live birds, you know, that's the probability anyway, that's technical already, but it's 41 per thousand live birds. NCR had 24. In 2017, ARM, ARM's infant mortality rate was something like uh from, from 41, it became 30 39. So that's not much of an 37 rather, 37. That's not much of an improvement you know, the the slowing down, the decline is glacial. It's a bit slow. I would have expected much more.
1: Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
3: Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost.
0: the looking for these two indicators impact mortality yeah. and maternal, uh, mortality because it actually tells you you know basic rights for women and children exactly you know? there exactly. is no access at all then you know it's so sad you know that when you go to these places you know a life of a, a mother and children they are always like collateral damage basic uh, in access to services you know because right. we, we are not able to um you know to look at these things you know instead of the bigger all the uh, development funding and then we really don't know where those development funding are going to
3: you know. right right and then also you know uh but then gathering maternal mortality ratio data that's too expensive and it has to have a really large sample of more than a hundred thousand. So it's difficult to gather it. I can understand why they don't get uh Take these ratios in a very tiny place with only like 5 million people.
0: They are supposed to have all these uh, clinics at the barangay or barangay health centers, right? I, do I think know. there are more barangay health centers now. This should be emphasized now, not only by BARM but also by the national government to just collect these two data, even at the barangay level. You know, Dr. I
3: guess uh, you're right, absolutely. But you know, the first thing is that we don't even know there are no you know I, I i have not seen any needs assessment analysis of barm nothing i have not seen like how many hospitals are there okay there are barangay centers but are they capable of handling emergencies you know the five most common causes of mat- of women dying during pregnancy and childbirth are hemorrhages postpartum afterbirth hemorrhages obstructed labor you know you know with the, especially with the placenta in front Oh Jesus, you know, and then the hypertensive disorders, all of these things. And even antenatal care is not the answer to that. The answer those, even if you go for antenatal care, at the last minute, isn't it, Dr. Ayasa? At, at the last minute, you know, the, the last hour, maybe the next day before you give birth, suddenly you develop a complication. You don't know where that came from. So what is important is that there must be health facilities: secondary, primary, secondary, tertiary that can handle emergency obstetric and neonatal care, you know. And I suspect, you know, this has not been done, not only in Mar but in other parts of the Philippines, like the Visayas. We're o- we're relatively okay in the north, but not so much in the south, especially in conflict areas. Imagine there, there are no midwives if, if you don't have any midwives, if women don't go to midwives just for assistance, you know. Like I'll show you, I will, I will. I remember this data in Barm. You know, like um, women in Barm, the birds assisted by a skilled provider in 2003 was 21.7. percent No, in, two th- in 2017 it went up, thankfully to, to 34. But it still, that's a very small number when you compare it to the national data of something like they're in their 90s or 80s. You know. It's the lowest in the in the in the health indicators in comparing to the other regions.
2: But this is this is the problem, uh, Marilyn. Uh, I I got the news uh, saying that uh, in two three years time we're going to have we'll start feeling a shortage of uh, nurses in the Philippines because our nurses, our medical uh, people, they're all going abroad to right. find better jobs. And it's going to be much worse in areas like uh, Muslim Mindanao, where the educational system isn't really right. as uh, efficient, right? As as you find in uh, other countries in the Philippines. So, what can you do with that, Marilyn? It's not just the fact that we lack the infrastructure, like hospitals, but we're going to have a severe lack
3: yeah. in uh, yes in uh, trained lead personnel. Wives, what would you wives. recommend? With where are the midwives? Day. The midwives are in the rural centers and they're there. You know, what are they doing there? I, I really pity the midwives. Whenever I see them, they're of st- stacks of papers to complete, to fill out, and to do these things. They should just be trained to go around looking for. Of course, they do go around looking for pregnant women and all that, but still, you know, they should be mobilized. We have midwives, and then we have another, there should be another level. You know, you know, in in I'm not saying that we're like Africa, but in many African countries I've been to and I worked in, they have the what they call the lower level of midwives, two years training only, and they can already deliver, assist in the delivery of babies. They can even resuscitate babies, infants. As a matter of fact, I think this was in there was a study done by Korolinska Institute in Sweden, of uh, in um, I think it was Mozambique, you know, where. At the time during the, you know, there was it was a war-torn area at the time in the 1970s or 1980s. There were no doctors. You know, the, the only, only people available were the te- technical people. You know what Karunitska did? They trained the they there, trained. They went there and trained the technical, technical people, not even midwives or nurses. They trained them for three years. To do cesarean sections, would you believe that? And to deliver, assist in the delivery of natural birth, and it worked. They have the data, and then we noticed that you know, um, because the nurses they don't just really they, they are not trained to assist in deliveries. They know how, but they are not trained to do that. We have the midwives, you know. I see midwives; uh, they have they they go to private practice or they go they 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 put up their own nail salons. I really feel strongly about this. We it's all meet. about
0: business then. It's all about business, my plan.
3: No, but it's, I think it's about survival. In 2004, when I was working with UNICEF New York, I already went to the Department of Health. It was uh, Secretary I then. I told him, you know, Manoret, I said, we should do uh, uh, was this needs assessments of health facilities. I don't care which kind. Just, just do a sampling of health facilities all over the country. And then see, especially in Mindanao. See whether it's a rural health center, whether it's, you know, private or whatever, whatever health facility. Categorize them and see whether they have enough resources, if they have enough human resources, they have enough equipment, they have enough medical supplies to be able to save women and their newborns during emergencies. Imagine this. I was in, when was that? You know, I'm twenty 2012, I think. I visited uh, Mamburao. In, in this was in Mindoro, 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 yes, and I also went by the way to Cotabato. And the only thing it had was a BP BP you know BP apparatus, but even then, with the BP monitor apparatus, you can already catch who are the you know hypertensive cases and then refer them to hospitals if there was a midwife, but there was a midwife. The midwife was going around, but she was very busy doing vaccinations. She does everything in a rural health center. She does vaccinations. She does all of she, she she fills up lots of papers. I've seen that. And also in uh uh Sultan Kudarat and also in uh versus this one I went to. There are many places, you know. I, I remember the Guasan Marsh because I saw that area.
0: What do you think about the the suggestion of UNFPA to have a more inclusive maternal health care in the Philippines
3: it would be good we've been saying that for the past so many years but it would be good to see that there must be health facilities you know because a lot you know when i joined unicef new york i was criticized for saying even the unicef philippine office before told me why why you know imagine we uh, unicef was di- distributing these little boxes for new for for the, for women to deliver you know what's inside that box? Uh, a black plastic piece, of black plastic where the woman will have to lie down. A blade, a small bar of soap, a cord. I and I said, "Throw this away!" My gosh, how will you save women from ha- ha- hemorrhages? How will you save women? I said, "No." So what? What we did, and even my predecessors, and and you know, we we partnered with Columbia University in New York. And then we got um, the OB-GYNES, we got midwives in, from Africa, from Southeast Asia, and we developed tools like what do you need during an emergency? So we developed really instruments, medical instruments. We package them for midwives to use and medical doctors. Yeah.
2: You know what, Wilen? what you listening to you talking about the maternity box, I, I, I just <laughs> got uh, news last night. Uh, while preparing for our, our chat, uh, news coming from Muslim uh, provinces uh, saying that they were giving 250 gift boxes, you know, maternity boxes, and now listening to you that the content of the box is so I was plastic. <laughs> so okay. I, was, I was just suddenly hit me. Why is this news that you're giving 250 I- maternity I- Yes, instead of say training 250
3: new people. Correct, but then I don't know what 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 are in those boxes now it was before when I saw those boxes all over the world the, I mean all over the, third, the, the the poorer countries my god that's an insult to women it's so insulting to be given that imagine that I went to Nepal you know I saw this little box I threw it away. I said, no, you have to train your midwives. You have plenty of nurse midwives as a lo- lower level. You have plenty of, even the, the traditional birth attendants, the hilot. You train, the them. Is, yes. you train in Malaysia, them. In Malaysia,
0: we call that bidan, bidan.
3: Yes, the bidan. You know, they're trained in Malaysia. Dr. Mahathir was very particular about that. He, he, he really ordered all the bidans to be trained. And then when they couldn't handle an emergency, they would have to refer it to the primary care center. That's in Malaysia, in K. It's what we should be doing here. But, we, don't, we you know, I don't know why, but we don't do it. I, is it because, I was thinking, is it because women are not important? You know, in Nepal, you know what they told me when I was working there in the, well, this was early on in 2006, I think, 2005. That was one of the countries I was monitoring. It. You know what they told me, the the Minister of Health even told me, but, you know, why should we do this? Well, you know, like this, oh, he said, why should we do this you know when you know when you do this uh actually when women get pregnant they already have one foot in the ground he said so that true Well, that's true then you can you have to put out the other foot. i mean you don't have to put both feet in the ground so we have to look at your health facilities you have to have a better health health system you know one thing wrong with medicine with the health with with, with medical doctors Doctor, yes, I agree with you. You know, we talk in terms of health systems. We understand, um, in the medical field, we do understand that. But this, this is the worst term I've ever heard. It was, it's not clear. What is a health system? A health system is really a community system. It, is, it, it starts from, the, from your neighbor telling, telling the midwife, somebody there is pregnant, could you please attend to her? You know, it starts like that. And then it goes on. It goes on up the ladder.
0: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.
2: Because we're talking about the bidan of Malaysia, the hilot of the Philippines, and these are really community health workers. Most of them are not formally trained. And I was just wondering... You've worked with UNICEF, you're with uh, the World Food Program, you're familiar with what they do in UNFPA, Uh, you're a medical doctor. So what is the the possibility of, say, the new Secretary of Health, um, uh, who was just appointed uh, a few weeks ago, really thinking about putting together a training program that would provide the capacity to this local village health workers
3: and make them the first line of, of defense. At first, the leadership should come from the government. They should ask. They, sh- they should state that this is what we want to do. You know, And I, I, you know, we we must not forget the barangay health workers too, the, the barangay nutrition workers. There are plenty of them. There are like thousands of them. And what are they doing? They're just going around things. I don't know what they're doing actually. Campaigning. So, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But that's fine. But yes, I see them campaign. But you know, but uh really it, it it could be done. But I don't know, I don't know what the new secretary of health is thinking about this. I don't know him and I I've not really met with him. And I don't know. I don't know he's he has not made any statement on material mortality in the first place. We do I don't even know the, the official numbers. I don't know really how many women are dying. Not like in, in other countries where you know already it's from 100. Malaysia is from like, uh, what's this, 20 to 60 per 1,000 live births. Malaysia, per 100,000 live birds. That's 20 to 60. Imagine compared to the Philippines. Uh, before, it was 130 to 280 per 100,000 live births. At this time and age, Amina, yes, I think it's a crime. For me, it's Outrageous that women should die during pregnancy and childbirth from complications that we can easily manage. Should we have a? If we had a health, a proper facility, we had the resources. And you know, I was telling, uh, I was talking with some of the um, uh, was his health, was his private health facilities, even the government health facilities, in in arm um, in 2014. And I said, you know, if you improve your health facilities so that women will not die, it's also an investment for you. Because then anybody, especially in Barm, anybody with a gunshot wound, with a knife wound, anybody with any trauma could be accepted to your health facility and treat them there. Anything that will save women's lives will also save your soldiers' lives. Anything. Because then you'll have blood. The most common thing, in a hospital, Amina, yes, I don't know this hospital, I, I forgot the name. And maybe I wanted to forget it because it was so dirty. <laughs> it was really dirty. The operating room had no, you know, the lights were not even functioning. And then they had no blood. It was, it was supposed to, be, you know, I said they had no blood. They had no flu. They had, they had fluids, NSA. I mean, the simple one, you know. And then they had, well, they had no blood. Oh, they had no antibiotics. They, they didn't have the basics. What, what do you think about that? I said, my gosh. And it's supposed to be. It was. It says their basic emergency uh, 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 was this medical facility accredited by the DOH. Huh? I said without any, you know, well, end of these basic things. That's just what I'm saying. That you know, I wish. And I talked about this before with Dr. Ona, with Dr. Even Dr. Cabral, and. Um, but Dr. Cabral was just there for a short time and she felt, she really felt strongly about that too. I said, do we give priority to the women, you know, who are dying? Or do we accept it as a natural way? As as, as, as death, as the natural alternative, accompaniment of a pregnancy? I don't know. And especially in farm. Can you imagine? With the conflict ongoing, the riddle, the riddle I mean the, the feuds. I can imagine the hardship of these women. How many of them even? You know, how many, how many women even visit for a prenatal?
0: Maybe in their lifetime, none.
3: <laughs> it's so low. I saw the data. It's very low.
0: We don't have much time, but to close this episode, if you are to give like top four priorities for BARM as a conflict area, you know, still yeah. ongoing a post-agreement phase, what should be the priority? In terms
3: of maternal health care? In terms body. of maternal health care, yes. First, I will do the basics. Needs assessments, very critical. Of all, not only the health facilities, but what it contains and whether they have the, the human resources to do it. Second, training. Look at the competencies of the midwives, the barangay health workers, the mid, the uh, traditional birth attendants. And then not only training, but, you know, displacement, not I mean, they can all be together, these things. These are the building blocks. And then also to inform and educate and organize the communities. That's what we did in Bangladesh. We organized the villages. And then we, we organized them. We worked with their social welfare. It's like our DSWD. So that they could be given uh, livelihoods. And we organized them. Because it would be very nice if we had like um, like patrol police. You know They would tell you, oh, that woman is pregnant, oh, this, this woman have this woman has eight kids, you have to monitor her. It's very important, this community organization at the community level. And fourth, the leadership. They must appreciate women's lives. You know, without the women, they, they will not go anywhere.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right um, about your recommendations, um, Marilyn. And uh, since we're running out of time, uh, before we say goodbye, I just wanted to recount <laughs> an anecdote. You know, during World War II, the, uh, one of the my younger uncles, I think his number, is third to the last uh, in my mother's family, he was born in a bangka. Now, a bangka, to our listeners from abroad, is a canoe. Can you imagine The Japanese uh, planes are strafing, uh, tawi-tawi. My grandmother is in the banka, in the canoe, giving birth. And it's a miracle that my uncle survived. That uh, not only survived, but thrived during the war. And now he's the presidential advisor on Muslim affairs. So I think, Marie, you and I, we have got to sit down with my uncle oh, at yeah. uh, the presidential no, really. and Muslim up here, and uh, ask him to do something about these recommendations that you that you have made. So thank you so much, Marilyn, for joining us. Can okay, uh, just say one more thing? Just this. This yes, one, well. quickly.
3: You know, with these needs assessments of equipment, human resources, supplies, and, and so forth and so on, you know, what we did in other countries we presented this to the donors and to the government and when the government saw the data they were not only embarrassed but they really were outraged really and they you know and in bangladesh for example that country has reduced its maternal deaths by doing first needs assessment and then rearranging reorganizing their entire health system it can be done bangladesh did it why can't we do it
0: this is another episode of She Talks Please. So, again, we will welcome our audience to send us an email at, she talks, please, uh, dot, at gmail.com if you have any suggestions or clarifications that you'd like to make. And we are also on Instagram. Okay, I don't have an Instagram, but we do have an Instagram, so you can follow us and uh, please. Uh, Uh, Enjoy our next episodes. Again, thank you so much, Dr. Marilene Dangilan.
3: Oh, you're most welcome. My pleasure.
0: Thanks for joining us and listening to
2: Dr. Marilene Dangilan talking about how the lives of our mothers matter. So see you next week. This is Amina Rasul from the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy saying bye for
1: now. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co.